This is Bill Newman, WHMP. Welcome to the show, and we welcome back to the show John Pucci, Attorney John Pucci, former head of the U.S. Attorney's Office in Springfield and a partner at Bulkley Richardson, also in Springfield. John Pucci has a regular segment with us, Law and Order, and we want to talk today about Donald Trump's legal travails. As John said to me just before he came on the air, I think I can summarize it really quickly. Trump has had a really bad month. So we're going to get to what makes for a really bad month for Donald Trump. And I think before we get to the specifics of the investigations and the verdicts, I'd like to turn to what Donald Trump has told us about his intent, which he posted on Truth Social. And it's quite an extraordinary admission. An admission being an evidentiary rule says something you use can be used against you because it's your admission. All voluntary, not under, not under interrogation. He did this all on his own. Quite astounding. John Pucci, review that for us. What did he say and why does it matter? Well, he has this, this uh, web show, web channel, um, Truth Social, it's called. And when he got kicked off, Twitter, he created this thing, Truth Social, which is ironic, of course, that it has a lot of truth in it. But um, he recently, this week, issued a statement that the massive and uh, widespread fraud in the election that he lost allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, articles, even those found in the Constitution. And so the to me, it takes me back to when I was I was a federal prosecutor for 10 years and in complex cases, if they always required that the prosecutors making a decision whether to proceed with the case would sit around a table and talk about should we bring this case? Is this worth our time? Is it worth our energy? Is it serious enough? We have limited resources. Is this something that we're going to address this particular case? And if you're sitting around that table with the new head prosecutor, Jack Smith and Merrick Garland, and Trump makes that statement, then it, what it does is it reinforces the need to go forward now, because he is now committing, uh, I'm not sure he's committing the crime of sedition, but he's declaring his seditious intent. So let me and stop so you there. Let me stop you there. Does that matter? I mean, the seditious conspiracy that he's being investigated for, that is an attempt to overthrow the United States government by force or violence or a conspiracy to do that. That's what he's being investigated for by the federal government. Does this statement by him revert back? Is there kind of a retroactive application? We know what you wanted to do because months later, uh, in, in December of 2022, of 2022, you told us what you still want to do. Does it matter from an evidentiary point of view, things that can be introduced against Trump? I, I don't know that it matters and it would get into evidence in the trial. My point is simply when you're debating whether to spend the prosecutorial resources on a prosecution, the fact that a, a target, Trump, uh, is a clear and present danger uh, to, the com to the country reinforces the necessity to bring the prosecution altogether. So when you're looking at it, it, it's not as though Donald, after January 6th, walked away and said, you know, what happened was a mistake. I didn't really understand this was going to rise to an insurrection. It was out of control. I'm really sorry. I'm retiring from public life. I'm not going to comment further on it. I'm not going to say anything that would incite people further. Then you would look at the case and say, you know, we have to decide on balance whether we want to bring this case or not now that this guy is going to disappear on us. 
and maybe, and it's a factor, maybe it's a, it's a real factor in whether you bring the case or not, but when he declares, declares and redeclares his, in his seditious incitement of people who were subject to seditious incitement, then you have somebody who, pre, who presently is a clear and present danger and around the coffee table of prosecutors deciding, is it worth our time and energy? Is it on balance in the public interest to prosecute him? This statement underscores the necessity for it. And I think fires up whatever needs to be fired up in the Department of Justice to bring the sedition case. And so I think it's important in that regard, not meant necessarily as an evidentiary matter, but as a necessity, as is implicating the necessity to bring the prosecution. So I have a question about this, John Pucci. This was instigated by the fact that Elon Musk, until earlier this week, the richest man in the world who bought Twitter, which Trump had been kicked off of, leaked a bunch of documents to the journalist, Matt Taibbi, who's famous for his work in Rolling Stone, but has now sort of gone the Glenn Greenwald route, talking about you know deep state issues, et cetera. And there was this huge thread about how there's been collusion from both parties, but Matt Taibbi decided only to focus on the Democratic Party in regards to what would be allowed on Twitter and what would be considered speech that would be uh, grounds to kick you off of Twitter. That then, pro- and the idea being that the quote unquote Hunter Biden laptop and his uh, relationship with Ukraine uh, is evidence enough that there was. An, uh, an effort by the powers that be in government and the media to suppress a story that would affect the outcome of an election. Would any of that being mitigating factors, being the backstory to what prompted Trump to say that, weigh into whether or not the Justice Department would want to then go forward with seditious conspiracy or a seditious intent as a charge? That is one deep rabbit hole. But this is where I'm it comes sure. from. If you just look at the Trump, if you just look at the Trump uh, Truth Social post on its own, it sounds like he says you need to tear up the Constitution. But if you look at it from a perspective of he supposedly there's this new information. Supposedly the Democratic Party was trying to get stories off of Twitter and banning people even from the Trump administration from being able to post on Twitter. Does this rise to the occasion <laughs> of being mitigating factors and in information? Uh, that have prompted him to do this rather than just saying, let's tear up the Constitution and reclaim the presidency. Well, I have bad news for Bill Newman. It sounds like Monty has joined the Trump legal team. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yes. More like I've joined the ACLU. That's his explanation. That may well be his explanation. I'm quoting his words, and Mm -hmm. his words declare a present seditious intent. And his words to me mean that he is a continuing threat to America to incite violence and throw out the Constitution, which is the heartland of a sedition charge. So if you're debating whether or not to bring it, whatever his reasons may be, the heartland of his consciousness is to throw, is to overturn America in the democratic system we have. That's sedition. Let me ask you about two things, unpack two things with you, John, that you've just mentioned. One is new information. The other is the seditious conspiracy charge that's being investigated by the Justice Department. Let's go to new information first, which is, hey, they just did another search. And, hey, there are more classified documents in a storage locker controlled by Donald Trump. What does that mean in terms of his vulnerability for prosecution for having taken with him classified documents and 
more generally, also a crime, having secreted away from the government documents that he was not allowed to possess any further after he was no longer president. Does this matter? You know, I, I don't think it matters with a capital M. Um, I don't think it's that significant. And I think it's much more defensible than the documents found in his home to which he uh, has personal, um, had personal custody over in his, even I think in, in his bedroom in, in personal spaces because a storage locker, he can easily say, and it may even be true, we dumped a whole bunch of stuff in a storage locker I did not have the intent. I didn't even know that that stuff was there. I didn't have the intent to obstruct an investigation. Sure, it was technically under subpoena, but I did not know and have intent to hide things in the storage locker. It was, if you look at what was in the storage locker, there was all sorts of other completely unrelated matters. So is it interesting? Sure. Unless a witness comes in and says, well, Donald told me to put these papers in the storage uh, locker. I'm going to guess it doesn't add much to the prosecution of him uh, for the for hiding the confidential documents in his home. Let's go back to the conversation that we started just a moment ago about seditious conspiracy. There was a verdict uh, in the Oath Keepers case, a verdict of guilty of seditious conspiracy, if I read that correctly. Does that have significance for Trump? Does it have significance for the country? Yes, it's great significance for the prosecution and the prosecutors, again, sitting around the table debating, can we win a sedition case? It's a very difficult case to win. There have been very few that have been won in the history of America. Uh, there have been uh, a, a very famous case that uh, Rachel Maddow has done an, an ultra special on uh, podcast, which is an extraordinary uh, exploration of a sedition case brought just at the end of World War II, which completely, totally failed despite overwhelming evidence. So the history of sedition cases, there's even a case that a famous Northampton lawyer named Bill Newman brought, uh, <laughs> defended uh, in federal court for sedition, which was a defense across, across the entire entirety of it. So the history of, of sedition cases is not one of great success. The Oath Keepers case was a resounding case a resounding verdict for the the government convicting people of sedition, but also importantly, convicting them of a separate felony, which is interference with official proceeding. And that was a separate felony and all the defendants were convicted and there were, it wasn't just the, uh, the, the lead oath uh, uh, keeper. It was the entire group of them. They were all convicted. It's very important for a lot of different reasons, including the fact that you can sit a jury and you can convict people in the Trump organization, and it's not disrupted by the politics of it, by the idea that this is a fix, that the idea, you know, there are 12 people that have been seated in a whole series of these obstruction cases, uh, including this case, and they return guilty verdicts almost each and every single time. So that the, the, the system is producing juries that are selected through the ornate process you're selected by, and they're returning guilty across the board. And this is the latest one, which is the most important because it's the only one that's had a sedition charge in it. 
Yeah, I mean, two things I want to just comment briefly, John. One is with regard to the seditious conspiracy case that I was one of the defense lawyers on, the government really relied in significant part of, from, of the words, the alleged words written down of those that the government had accused of seditious conspiracy. All the defendants were acquitted of seditious conspiracy. The counts that ended up with a hung jury for some of them and then were later dismissed were the racketeering counts, uh, racketeering influence and corrupt organization, as RICO, saying, well, you're the seditious conspiracy. You were a member of a group. The group was involved in doing some organized criminal things. Uh, and as opposed to being focused on organized crime, the original tenet of RICO, the uh, statute has been interpreted so as to become any crime that is organized as opposed to organized crime. And I think, although it has not been talked about, that there is a potential racketeering charge that could be brought against Trump and those who supported him and those who engaged in that insurrection on January 6th. I, I, let me go back, John. I want to ask you this. You were talking about Trump and uh, the, how he is implicated in, in these matters. There was a guilty verdict this week against the Trump organization, uh, a criminal charge against the company. And the company was convicted, I think, 17 times of various accounts. Well, what do you make of that? Is that a significant development? Well, at one level, it's a very significant development in this regard, that it again reflects that you can seat a jury um, that goes is thoroughly vetted by lawyers on both sides that are prepared to return a verdict against the Trump-associated entity, his company. And so way back at the beginning of this, there was a lot of concern. Are we going to get a jury that is going to be infected by MAGA people? Are they going to stand up and hold up these convictions? How are they going to make them stick? Won't their perspective, the MAGA perspective, infect the jury box? And, and, and how are we going to try cases that won't be held up, obstructed, or lead to, to, to uh, locked juries uh, with MAGA people infecting America broadly? And the answer is, again, uh, just like in the Oath Keepers case, just like in all the obstruction cases, that a Trump organization and Trump himself can, he wasn't convicted in this case, but the Trump organ, not name, can be uh, associated and lead to uh, convictions in, in, in significant criminal cases. And so in and of itself, he was not a target for reasons that remain obscure. He was a target. He was not indicted for reasons that remain obscure. But the fact of the matter is 12 people in quick, it was a quick verdict. It was, I think, eight hours of deliberations, 12 people believe beyond a reasonable doubt that the organization was guilty. And Trump's lawyers, who he paid to try the case, fought like H-E-L-L -L against that verdict, and they lost big time across the board. So it's a significant thing. If you're sitting in the round the room in DOJ debating, can we win this case? Are we worried about the MAGA effect? Are we worried about the jury? it getting into the jury box in a way that's going to obstruct the, the, the trial of the case and the possibility of success. It's another marker. These cases can be brought against Trump slash Trump entities and won and won resoundingly. That, that said, John, that as I understand it, the maximum penalty that can be imposed on the corporation, which is a, which is the defendant in this case, uh, is $1.5 million. It's barely a rounding error for the Trump organization. And you can't put a co corporation in jail, so the actual consequences to Trump are pretty minimal. 
Yes, they are. They are minimal. The consequences are minimal. I agree with that. And, and for reasons we can discuss now or some other time, the, the, the district attorney chose not to fold Trump into those criminal charges, even though the evidence at trial directly implicated him. Yes, it and was directly implicated evidence. him by showing that he knew about it and seemingly approved of these off the book payments to the chief executives of the Trump organization so that they could receive the remuneration and the benefits without having to pay taxes and saving the Trump organization money. And there is evidence that Trump not only knew, but approved of it. Listen, we need to take a quick break. We're going to come back and continue our conversation about Donald Trump with attorney John Pucci right after these messages. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. Modest, very minimal increase in the police budget, largely uh, due to just regular contractual um, obligations. Holyoke is nothing like Northampton and Greenfield. The quality of life uh, issues or demographics, very, very different. So I can never compare our police departments. The challenges we have going on in our city are very, very different. 101.5, We are the Valley. We are WHMP. 586-1000. Good phone number, right? It's the number Whalen Insurance got when we opened in 1961. It's still our number more than 60 years later. If you need an insurance quote or have a claim, just call 586-1000. We answer the phone, ready to help. That's our pledge to you. Until now. Now when you call, we'll answer. And if it's something clerical or routine, like an address change, we're going to transfer you to the Arbella Insurance Call Center in Quincy. You'll be connected with a real person there, too. You won't be entering your policy number on the dial pad. The Arbella Call Center. I told myself Whalen Insurance would never do this, but insurance agent friends all over New England tell me it actually works really well. So we're going to try it. And if it doesn't work well, I'm sure you'll let us know by calling 586-1000. Whalen Insurance. Local people, local service, local insurance. In partnership with Arbella Insurance. Buy a mattress online? There are at least a hundred websites that'll ship you a mattress rolled up like a burrito and stuffed in a box. Wait a minute. You and your mattress will spend seven or eight intimate hours together every night for years. Don't you need more than pixels to know what it actually feels like? Maybe you could just lay on the screen and... Hi, it's Robin from Talon Furniture. We mostly sell therapeutic mattresses at Talon. Not Tempur-Pedic, not trying to mislead you. Come to Talon Furniture and lay down on a Therapeutic. I'll leave you alone. You can see how you are together. Therapeutic mattresses are clean. No toxic off-gassing. I've been to the factory in Brockton. Yes, they're made by fellow Red Sox fans. You like eating local? Try sleeping local. Talon delivers and sets it up. We don't just drop a big burrito on your doorstep. You won't have to wrestle it through the kitchen or up the stairs. Talon Furniture, a real store just down the hill from Amherst College. If your Spanish-speaking employees spoke better English, would that be good for business? If your English-speaking employees spoke a little Spanish, would that be good for business? The International Language Institute delivers workplace language training, improving communication among coworkers and with customers. You get financial assistance with the Massachusetts Workplace Training Express Fund. They cover 50 to 100% of the cost. So let's get going. Call or email the International Language Institute in downtown Northampton.
This is Bill Newman, WHMP. We continue our conversation with Attorney John Pucci. This is Law and Order, and we are talking about Donald Trump, who, as John pointed out to me before we went on the air, Trump's had a really bad month, including the verdict against the Trump Organization in New York, a criminal verdict, a unanimous verdict, of course, 12 jurors finding his organization guilty of tax fraud and 16 other related charges. There's more going on as well with regard to Donald Trump, and they involve ongoing investigations. Uh, Georgia, which has been very quiet in terms of media coverage, and New York, which is not so quiet, but it's a little unclear given New York said it was suspending its criminal investigation of Trump now months ago. I think I'd rather go rather than to New York and Georgia for that con- about that conversation uh, and ask you, John, what is going on with the federal government, with the Department of Justice? It's been a little quiet there, too. Well, it's been quiet in some regard, but it's pu- only publicly quiet. Uh, so that's a federal grand jury. We're talking about the federal grand jury investigation of the insurrection and whether to indict Trump on that and maybe others and, and the federal separate federal investigation about the um, obstruction of justice uh, with regard to the confidential um, secret records that were he that were kept at um, Mar-a-Lago in violation of the law. Those are the two prongs of the federal investigation. And I, <coughs> excuse me, I really do think that all of these things we've been talking about reinforce the government's interest in bringing those cases forward. They're both grand jury cases. Grand jury pr- uh, process is a, is a private process. It's a secret process. Uh, it's a violation of law for the government, for Merrick Garland to talk about the status of those investigations. So you're really left with inferring from events that uh, come from, uh, that become public uh, uh, to figure out where that case is going. Recently, uh, Garland appointed a brand new uh, chief prosecutor in the case, a guy named Jack Smith. And I don't think that he appoints Jack Smith. He brings him back from from uh, war prosecutions in Europe. I don't think he brings him back and installs him as the monarch or the head prosecutor if that if those cases are going nowhere. And so I think it's a sign. The implication is that Jack Smith is going to run on both of those cases from top down and and proceed. Uh, and I think that all of these other factors, the Oath Keepers verdict, the organization uh, uh, verdict in the Trump case, Trump's comments on true social, all contribute in significant ways to the decision whether to prosecute or not. And again, in real in the real world, there's a group of people in Washington. There's an additional person there now, Jack Smith, Garland's part of this group that sit around and discuss, do we bring the charges? What do we need? What do we need to nail down? How do we get to that evidence? It's a very practical consider considerations at one level and at a bigger level, do we wanna bring this case? Can we win the case when we put all the pieces together? And this guy, Jack Smith is now the leading voice uh, for the Department of Justice. You won't hear much from him. It's a grand jury investigation, but all these pieces are in play it's a giant jigsaw puzzle, and I think they're heading in the direction of bringing the charges against Trump. How soon? Huh. Well, you could call Jack Smith and ask him, I guess. I don't know. I, I, I try. I try just before we went on the air. It was hard to get through. 
Well, let me give you an example of, of something that jets this forward a bit, which is one of the things you haven't mentioned is that the uh, uh, case that Trump brought to challenge the search warrant in Florida was summarily dismissed in the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals. That case tossed on its ear the judge severely criticized for allowing the case to go forward. That's the federal Another district court judge who imposed these orders and ruled for Trump and this and uh, put a special master on the case to review all the documents and slowed down the investigation by months and would have slowed it down by many, many more months. Uh, and, right. And this, uh, the Circuit of Court of Appeals opinion says, Judge, Trump appointee who you are, totally unqualified as you were to get this position, you really made an enormous mistake. I've rarely seen a, a federal district court judge dressed down the way the 11th Circuit did it to that Trump appointee in Florida. Right. So her name was is was is Aileen Cannon. She was a Trump appointee, 40 years old, very controversial. They filed a case in front of her. They picked her. The Trump group did. And she did their work for them, stalling the investigation into the Mar-a-Lago documents. And uh, that case went up on appeal in the 11th Circuit. And it's a brilliant opinion for its simplicity and clarity, just completely slam dunked her for taking the case at all and said it should have been dismissed righteously right at, right at the outset. It should never exist. And so we are dismissing it. It is over, period. Now, Trump can appeal that to the, the uh, Supreme Court. Um, part of me says, I hope he does, because I think it, it will be reinforced the fact that what she did in the case uh, was was profoundly wrong. And so that's another significant loss for Trump this month. Um, adding to adding to all these other pieces uh, that contribute to, I think, the likelihood the case will be brought sooner rather than later. Do I know when? No, I don't know when. It does strike me that the Supreme Court no longer is there as a protector of Trump. It is a protector and an advocate for Trumpism and authoritarianism. I think that's what the court has become, a overtly political <clears throat> right-wing organ of the government. But I don't think they are any longer enamored with Trump himself. <clears throat> he has not personally prevailed there. All these right-wing, crazy authoritarian uh, laws that the uh, Trump organization and Trump himself uh, espouse, uh, that's, they're going to get continued uh, recept good reception at the Supreme Court. But Trump himself, he's losing at the court now. Well, yeah, he is losing. He's, he's had repeatedly forays into the Supreme Court on various issues, and they've been dismissed. They haven't even set up argument for them. They've just been dismissed. So I, I really think that whatever one makes of the Supreme Court, they are not a Trump court. They may be a right-wing ideology court, but they are not a Trump partisan court. There's a difference. And I think that he cannot look to them for relief in this instance. We're going to leave it there. We've been speaking with John Pucci. This has been our special time every month with John Pucci. We really appreciate your time and your insights. Thank you, John, so very much. Have a great day. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. Crews are continuing to clean up after an early morning fire destroyed a home in Northampton. Upon arrival, firefighters found two occupants of the home out in the front yard recovering from smoke inhalation. 
One person was bound to a wheelchair but was able to escape with help from the other resident. Both occupants were taken to a nearby hospital. Fire officials say there were no hydrants on Kennedy Road or in the area. Hatfield fire tankers were there assisting Northampton Fire Department and filling up on water down the road near Spring Street. The cause of the fire remains under investigation. The Northampton Health Department is urging residents to be careful this holiday season as multiple respiratory illnesses are on the rise. Since Thanksgiving, regular testing of Northampton's wastewater has shown a spike in the level of COVID, indicating more cases throughout the city. Flu cases are also at levels not seen in the last five years. Meanwhile, RSV, a respiratory illness primarily impacting young children, is stressing pediatric hospital capacity at local hospitals. The CDC recently recommended masking when indoors to mitigate the spread of those diseases. The town of Orange will have a special town meeting tonight at 7 p.m. in the Orange Town Hall on Prospect Street. Residents will have the opportunity to vote on 19 different articles, including funds requested by the police and fire departments. Residents will vote on a zoning moratorium lasting through 2023 on standalone large-scale batteries for energy storage. The planning board has also proposed an amendment to the town's zoning bylaw regarding outdoor marijuana cultivation in order to clarify the regulations. Mostly sunny and breezy today, a high of 46 to 50. Mostly clear, breeze continues tonight. Evening temperatures in the 30s, an overnight low of 20 to 26. Sunny tomorrow, a high of 44 to 48. 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP. This News Minute is brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media. Yo soy Johan Rashi Vega con la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media. Para los demócratas del Senado, una mayoría tan delgada de 51 a 49 nunca sonó tan bien. La victoria del senador Rafael Warnock en el estado indeciso de Georgia le da a los demócratas un estímulo bienvenido, dijo el miércoles en el Capitolio el líder de la mayoría en el Senado, Chuck Schumer, quien nuevamente confía en dejar de lado a los republicanos inspirados por Trump en el Congreso y llegar a otros legisladores republicanos para cumplir con las prioridades bipartidistas con el presidente Joe Biden. La elección del martes fue para un solo escaño, pero la victoria de Warnock en la apretada segunda vuelta proporciona un punto culminante inesperado para el ciclo electoral de mitad de periodo para su partido. Hace más fácil que los demócratas del Senado se organicen y gobiernen y proporciona una ventaja crucial en un Congreso dividido mientras los republicanos se apoderan de la Cámara. Cuando el nuevo Congreso se reúna en enero, el escaño adicional les dará a los demócratas del Senado una sólida mayoría que brinda un mayor control no solo sobre las votaciones en la sala, sino también sobre los comités, que son el segundo plano de la legislación. En otras informaciones, el líder republicano del Senado, Mitch McConnell, expresó otra reprimenda del expresidente Donald Trump el martes en el Capitolio, diciendo que cualquiera que piense que la Constitución puede ser suspendida tendrá un momento muy difícil para convertirse en presidente en los Estados Unidos. El comentario marcó la segunda vez en tantas semanas que McConnell y otros republicanos se han visto obligados a denunciar las palabras y acciones de Trump desde que el expresidente anunció que se postula nuevamente para la presidencia en 2024. McConnell estaba respondiendo a la declaración asombrosamente antidemocrática de Trump el sábado después de las revelaciones de lo que emitió como el trato injusto de Twitter hacia él durante las elecciones presidenciales de 2020 que perdió ante Joe Biden. Yo soy Johan Rashivega y esta fue la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media a través de WHMP. This News Minute has been brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. We welcome back to the studio a number of people who have been with us before. Sarah Sullivan, amazing poet and the 
30 Poems event chair. We're going to hear more about that in a minute. And Marty Wall, who has played many roles and been in many capacities here on the station. Uh, Marty is, among other things, a poetry level lover and a loyal supporter of the 30 Poems and the Center for New Americans. And Adriana Lyra Rizzo, who is the student uh, at, the, at Amherst Regional High School and the president of the school poetry club. They are all here because they are united in doing something amazing and creating the most extraordinary kinds of literary works and raising money for a good organization and being an enormously important part of our community. Let's start, if we might, with Lori Millman, who is the executive director of the Center for New Americans. Paint this picture for us. What's the, what is the event? What has the community been involved in? And then we'll get to how the community can hear and see and experience what has been created this year. That will be next Wednesday. We'll get to that in a minute. Lori Millman, first, tell us about the Center for New Americans and tell us about the 30 Poems Project. Thanks for welcoming us and good morning. Um, Center for New Americans welcomes and serves immigrants. We've been doing that for 30 years. Right now, everyone that you're reading about in the news is sitting in our classes. We are ecstatic that Haitians have got their uh, TPS extended since we have 20 new Haitian students. TPS being temporary protective temporary status protective from the status. federal government. They can stay. Well, they, can, they can actually apply for the work authorization, which is what they want. And temporary so, protection status means that they are protected from being deported. Uh, deported and they were in Haiti. deportation hearings as they arrived in our classes. So we are ecstatic over that. Yes. Yeah, so and thank we, you to you and thank you to Joe Biden. Uh, um, and for everybody who advocated for them to get the same kinds of protections that Ukrainians and Afghans, who are also in our classes, are getting. So we provide free English classes, and we offer immigration legal services, and we have help people get work. And every year we hold the literary version of a charity road race. It's our literary fundraiser, 30 Poems in November. It was started um, 14 years ago by Leslie Newman when she was Northampton Poet Laureate. And the indefatigable Sarah Sullivan has served as event chair for five years, sending out daily poetry prompts, often lifting up local authors to keep those of us who don't have natural inspiration like Sarah does writing. Um, and we hold a reading every year to thank the more than 75 writers um, some of them high school students like Adriana and some of them published authors and everyone in between, including our teachers. Um, we thank them for writing every day and for raising money so that we can continue to welcome all these people who hope to get services from us. Give us another 30 seconds. CNA, Center for New Americans, has classes where and what kind of classes are they? And then they tell us about how they often result in applications and, in fact, uh, the accomplishment of citizenship. Right. So we hold um, classes mornings and evenings. Our classes are in Northampton, Amherst, and Greenfield in person and hybrid. We also offer classes online. So we're using the OWL technology. You can come to our classes in our building or you can learn online. We have evening classes and they are online. And we're serving people all the way from Westfield um, to Coleraine. Um, and students learn English, they get jobs. We offer a nurse aid training, and this year we're also offering Surf Safe, which we're so excited about because a lot of people would like to have their own food truck, people who otherwise might not be able to find employment. Um, and yes, many of our, um, our students become citizens. One of our students who arrived in, uh, from Venezuela a few years ago is being naturalized next Tuesday in Springfield. 
uh, Biani Salas, who now works for the Musanti Health Center, will take her oath of allegiance uh, on Tuesday in Springfield. And it's just thrilling for us to see people, you know, start. And I have to say, I'm sorry, but I have to go here. Um, this young woman who's sitting here is the granddaughter of one of our students from 20 years ago. So her grandmother, when she arrived here, Marizi, she spoke five words of English. She was working nights at Big Y while she was in our classes. She then went to the University Without Walls at UMass. She then got her master's. She came back to teach with us as an ESOL teacher. She works full-time for UMass, and she's teaching the new Haitian arrivals with us at night. She also co-teaches our nurse aid class. Do I sound proud? <laughs> this is what I go to work for. And this is her granddaughter. That's an amazing, cool that's, that's that? an amazing story. How we want, cool we want We want to talk to her granddaughter. Um, and we will, let's do that now. Let's do that now. You, you are, uh, uh, Adriana, you're a senior at uh, Amherst Regional High School, co-founder and uh, president of the Amherst Regional High School Poetry Club. You're involved in this 30 poems project, a poem every day for 30 days. Have you been doing that? We have, yes. Okay, who's the we? Um, it's me and the club at Amherst Regional High School. And do you all write a poem a day? Or you write a poem a day together. It's a collective, a collect, a collective enterprise. Um, it's a mix of both. I mean, we, as a group and young poets, we love to write poetry almost every day. So even outside of the club, um, on a daily basis, just on our own time, we're always writing. Um, and when we get together, we do some more. And you submit them. You keep them, you cherish them, but what happens to the poems? Um, Do you share them? Yes, yeah, so almost, so every Thursday during club, one of us, or as many as we want, goes up and we share to the, to the group. Um, it's very amazing to, to just hear all the poets um, perform for us, and the emotion they put onto it, or into it, is truly amazing. Um, and we have been working to get out to perform elsewhere. I know we were going to do a event actually here in Northampton. It was a slam um, kind of contest. Contest. Um, it didn't go like it didn't go through as we planned. But we are looking for more and any chance we get, especially at the Drake in Amherst downtown. Um, You're going to read at the Drake. There's going to be a performance at the Drake? Um, when there's open mics, yes. We usually, some of us goes and we perform whenever we can. Um, and hopefully I'll be able to do that soon, too. So will we see you next Wednesday in the Center for the Arts? <laughs> we got, we got to see no pressure here. No pressure here. There, <laughs> you know. person to read, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe, maybe. It's a great audience. You should come. It is, yes. Yeah. So l let me ask you all, maybe uh, Laurie Millman, Executive Director of the Center for New Americans, maybe this should be directed to you and maybe as well uh, to one of our other guests here. But this is a fundraiser as well for the Center for New Americans, I believe. Yes? Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. So how does that work? <laughs> so um, the writers outreach to family and friends and get sponsors. Um, and uh, we strongly encourage people to be bold. And... I think what's been really touching, and I've actually kept copies of this, is that many of the people who donate actually thank the writers for giving them the opportunity. So I've been, I've been copying some of the messages and sharing them out. So the sense that I get from our community is that people really care 
about welcoming newcomers to the community, and they understand that people need services to get connected, and they're thanking writers for giving them the opportunity. So we've, we've raised over $75,000, and that makes a difference because there have been so many people who have sought our classes in the last few months. We've had to add classes, which um, don't tell our board are, are not in the budget. This money helps a lot. Okay, we'll keep that a secret, too, along with all the other secrets we're keeping here while we announce them on the air. Got it. I, I, I think I understand this. Let, let me turn just for a moment before we take a break to Sarah Sullivan, amazing poet and the event chair for 30 Poems. You send out uh, prompts uh, for poets, but obviously poets can write whatever they want. You have an extraordinary uh, group of poets who are writing and participating in all this. You want to tell us a bit about that? I would love to. Um, thank you. When I started uh, this project, not that I initiated it, but when I joined in, seven years ago, I was scared to death. Um, I had really just started writing poetry that year because um, I couldn't work full-time as a doctor. And I sent out an email every day with my poem to a bunch of friends and family, and that kind of expanded who wanted to be in the group. And I thought I was a lousy fundraiser, but I turned out to be okay. And then two years later, Lori asked me to join. And what I really wanted to share, what I really wanted was, one, to know where Center for New Americans is on, um, what's the address? 64. 42 Gothic Street. <laughs> 42 Gothic Street, which I didn't find out for two years. So when I joined, I said, I want to hold a writing workshop at the Center for New Americans so we can support what we're doing. I want to hold three other workshops. I, I really wanted a community of writers supporting the community of um, Center for New Americans who, who we serve and who provide great richness to our community. So I also... So you, send out, you do send out prompts. I, mean, I do. I said, so the night before um, the next day... <laughs> <laughs> Which that would be an interesting first line. The night before, the next day. I'm gonna. Can you write that down for me? Um, Is that a holiday thing. I, I, I send out a prompt to all the writers who have signed up, so that they can mull on it overnight. And then a lot of people use them. And I've done a variety of prompts, such as you know using a local poet's poem and then giving suggestions to write. I've done some things that are a little more teachy, like. And um, it's just the fact that we've had these. Do you sometimes send out pictures of objects yeah. or things like that? Yeah, I do that a couple Videos, times. Recordings. A couple times a, a month, an ekphrastic poem that's called when you write about a picture, and I've done it with music too. And so it's. What's that word? Yeah, it's E K P H R A S T I C. And I did not know that word. He eight wants years you to say ago. it again. Ekphrastic. Ekphrastic. Wow. Yeah, and so it's just been this wonderful... You heard it here first, <laughs> Yes, It's been this wonderful community. And, you know, when I started, I didn't know much about Center for New Americans, and I've just had more and more invested. And that's the same thing with a lot of writers who I've recruited or other people. And um, there's just so much enthusiasm and support 
And I'm supposed to shut up now for a commercial. Is that right? (laughs) (laughs) Monty is nodding. Okay. We're going to be right back with more. We're going to hear some of these poems. We want you to know about 30 poems in 30 days. We'll be right back. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. Hello, everyone. Gordon Oliver here. So let's face it, our day-to-day lives always involve money, right? For many of us, money is always top of mind. But here at the Cambridge Connection, we want to help you reverse that trend. Every Saturday morning at 9.30 a.m. here on WHMP, my co-pilot, Tina Marie, and I bring you a variety of amazing experts who can help you navigate that daily financial maze of life and guide you to a better relationship with your money. Tax time is right around the corner. Tune in Saturday to get your tax tips from CPA Tom Foley and be ready with a pen and paper. 586-1000. Good phone number, right? It's the number Whalen Insurance got when we opened in 1961. It's still our number more than 60 years later. If you need an insurance quote or have a claim, just call 586-1000. We answer the phone, ready to help. That's our pledge to you. Until now. Now when you call, we'll answer. And if it's something clerical or routine, like an address change, we're going to transfer you to the Arbella Insurance Call Center in Quincy. You'll be connected with a real person there, too. You won't be entering your policy number on the dial pad. The Arbella Call Center. I told myself Whalen Insurance would never do this, but insurance agent friends all over New England tell me it actually works really well. So we're going to try it. And if it doesn't work well, I'm sure you'll let us know by calling 586-1000. Whalen Insurance. Local people, local service, local insurance, in partnership with Arbella Insurance. Champagne, sparkling wine, cava, prosecco. If it's bubbly, it's really good. Every Friday morning, Monty visits the wine snobs to talk about wine at State Street. The three main grapes of champagne, if correct me if I'm wrong, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, and Pinot Meunier, although there are a bunch of other ones that nobody really ever uses hardly at all. That is 100% correct. A lot of the time they're made with Pinot Noir, which is a red grape, even though it doesn't look very red. Right. Juice is basically the same color, just like we are on the inside. Oh, I like that. Hold the cork, turn the bottle. Don't hold the bottle, try to to wiggle that cork out. Cava is a great value because they make it just the same way that they make champagne. The value's there. And it's from Spain. This is also a way to make something a special occasion, not just for a special occasion. There's something about champagne and sparkling wine in general that gives you that lift. It's like a fizzy lifting drink. Find your favorite wine and your next favorite wine at State Street Fruit Store Deli Wines and Spirits. State Street, Northampton. Do you know what's happening this Friday at 9 a.m.? Is this week's Shop Friday Downtown Sounds? Correct! They go on sale this Friday at 9 a.m. Full value gift certificates and you save 30%. Downtown Sounds Workers Co-op, a music store with new and used instruments and lessons. Live online or live in person. First lessons free when you buy an instrument. Plus, repairs of musical instruments and equipment. Get ready to save 30% beginning Friday at 9 a.m. The Shop 30 store at whmp.com. When I see my baby This is Bill Newman, WHMP. What do I see? Oh, I like listening to the music. Monty, it's my music. <laughs> Poetry in motion. Come on, let's one more Poetry line here. Poetry in motion. We don't hear it. 
Poetry in motion. Okay, here we are. Welcome to 1950s rock and roll station. Your favorite on your dial. At okay, never mind. Let's let's go forward. I want to welcome into this conversation Dr. Marty Wall, and you are here, and we are here with Adriana. Uh, Lira Brazeo, who is a senior at Amherst Regional High School and the co-founder and president of the Amherst Regional High School Poetry Club, and Lori Milliman, the executive director of the Center for New Americans, and Sarah Sullivan, who is a local poet. I'm sure most of our listeners know of her, and she is the director of these 30 Poems in 30 Days. Marty Wall, okay, we're going to give you a full 30 <laughs> seconds to explain why are you here? <laughs> oh, wow, that goes back. So, um, when Leslie offered to have poetry books at offices around the city back like 15 years ago, we took her up on it. So that's been happening at the office for years. But in, in, in that relationship, we started to understand what the Center for New Americans were and said, this is something that has to be supported. And we just have been doing that ever since. Um, so I'm also here to tell people they should come to this event. This okay, event, tell, us, tell us again when and the where. The event is Wednesday at 7 o'clock, Wednesday, Wednesday the 14th. Yep. And it is an amazing situation where you have accomplished poets published all over the country and probably the world, as well as amateur poets who are just saying, I really want to support this program. And they're all in the same room, and you can be there too, and listening to what people's hearts are giving for everybody. And it's... I. I I think it's a lost opportunity if people don't come and see this, because whether it's online or in person, it really is the heart of Northampton in so many ways as to what people care about and how they want to welcome folks to the country. Do people need to sign up to come to the event? No. no. Tell no, us. I mean, and it's it, free. They should email us for a link if they want it online, because we're not cool about publishing links wildly. But it's, they can just show up at the event. It's free. And our students, some of our students will be having a craft show and fair outside for the first time ever. So people who have no other way of sh selling what they're making will have tables at 615 if people want to come bring cash and support some of our students who are, or, who are entrepreneurs. All immigrants are entrepreneurs, actually. <laughs> Let me turn back to Adriana uh, Lira Brazil student at Amherst Regional High School, a senior co-founder and president of the Amherst Regional High School Poetry Club. You've been writing 30 poems in 30 days. Could you share one with us? I can. So this one, I it's funny because I am heading down my path to college. Um, and obviously, I've been with my family for a long time and my mom, and I really look up to her. So this was kind of one I wrote as I make my way into a different kind of world. Um, so it's called mine. It's a funny relationship, you see. A mother and a daughter, best friends, a leader and a follower. See, the world's rules are that you will be my caretaker until a legal age. And whilst the rumors are true, that the child that grew under the roof of her guardian moves on to build her own, that the child moves on to make her own choices, that the child moves on to grow her own path, find her way into the world she was brought into, only possible by the planter of her seed. It also, is it also true that the child will build her own roof by the boards of her mother, that the child will make choices influenced by her, that the child will grow from the presence of her, by the love of her mother, by the son that never leaves to nourish her, nourish her earth, while legally the world will call you my guardian for this part of my life, you always and forever be my guardian angel, guiding me from the wings you implanted in my back, from your love you carved into me that pumps through the beings of my heart, 
from the world that made it from your words that made its own section into the brain. See, I will grow from a follower to a leader, but to a leader I will only be by the path you brought me through. So to my best friend, guiding angel and leader, we will never be split even if our two worlds don't collide. How long have you been writing poetry? (laughs) Um, That's that's a beautiful poem. Thank you, thank you. Um, I started actually in about third grade um, and just continued to write it since then. Don't stop now. (laughs) Okay, so do do we have time for one more? Probably not. Maybe a short one? Do we? What do you think? No. Oh, no. (laughs) People have to come. I just want to say, I started, this is Sarah. I started writing in fourth grade, and I got in trouble because I wrote a poem about someone in my class. So then I didn't write for till I was in college. <laughs> and then, and got I, in trouble then again. I became a doctor, and then I didn't <laughs> write until 2016. So I'm so proud of you and almost jealous. Thank well, you. Well, thank you all for doing this. If people want to contribute to the Center for New Americans, how do we do this? We want to support 30 poems in 30 days? CNAM.org. Donate. <laughs> we thank. Well, I'll look at the list of poets. These, yeah, they all, those, they all their pages are all open, and, and, and you know you can them. Always donate. You listeners, I you know, know them. a lot of them. <laughs> Adriana Lira Brazeo, Marty Wall, Sarah Sullivan, Lori Millman. Thank you all so very much. Congratulations, and we'll see you next Wednesday at 33 Holly Street at 6:15. Doors open. Seven o'clock, and then seven for the group. Can't wait. Thank you all so very much. Thank you. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. Baby fly, can't you see me falling? Can't you hear me when I call? Can't you see me fall? Want to support the kind of local talk you hear on The Bill Newman Show? Want to hear your business's message here on WHMP? Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com. We'll help you craft a marketing message that'll reach listeners of your favorite WHMP show. And we'll be supporting the local news, valley talk, and progressive voices you hear right here on WHMP. Let us know about your message. Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com, and add your message to our mission. And hear your message right here on WHMP, Your message at whmp.com. AA made all the difference in my life. I noticed that most of the goals I had as a kid were slipping by. I didn't feel like the person I hoped to be. After all those years of drinking, I I really didn't know myself. When I was out there drinking, I was always looking for the next great party to make me feel all right. With AA, I found a better way of life. And I feel good in my everyday life, even without a drink in my hand. Alcoholics Anonymous, it works. Online and in-person meetings. For more, call 413-532-2111 or visit westernmassaa.org. Live and local news and talk for Northampton and the Valley since 1950. WHMP Northampton. WHMQ Greenfield. Northampton Radio Group Station.